welcome to the Fairview Alliance Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you here today. Our prayer is that through this message, you'd be encouraged, uplifted, and discover more about a God who loves you deeply and faithfully. If you're interested in finding out more about our community, visit our website, fairviewalliancechurch.com, or visit our Facebook page, Fairview Alliance Church. We'd like to take a moment just to thank you, the listeners, for sharing and subscribing to our podcast. Without you, it wouldn't be possible. Now, prepare your hearts as we tune into this week's new message with our lead pastor, Mario Catalan. Today, uh, I would like to share with you a message that is found in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, and we'll continue to read until verse 26. The title is, When Blindness Doesn't Stop You From Seeing. We will look at a special miracle that Jesus performed in the life of a blind man, and uh, we will see through that miracle how God can continue to talk to us even today in this particular season of our lives. Mark chapter 8, verse 22, we'll be reading until verse 26. May the Lord bless his word into our hearts. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everything clearly. Then they sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Praise the name of the Lord. It's a a very unique miracle that Jesus performed during this ministry. But we cannot understand this miracle if we don't understand the context that this miracle or this incident happened. If we read before in Mark chapter 8, we understand that Jesus is dealing with the unbelief and the confusion of his own disciples. He fed 4,000 people. He gave them miraculously bread and food to restore their lives. And then immediately after, we find that the Pharisees attacked Jesus because of that. And while Jesus is coming on the other side of the lake, he's talking with his own disciples about being very careful with the living of the Pharisees. To be careful not to be involved in the legalism. As he was saying that, they, they thought that Jesus was talking about the bread in itself. But in Mark chapter 8, verse 18, he says, Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? Jesus is pointing to his own disciples to make them understand that they were confused spiritually. They were having eyes, but not seeing the things of God. So Jesus is dealing, again, with the unbelief of the Pharisees and the resistance that his own disciples showed to him because they were not understanding what he was trying to say to them. And I believe sometimes we are like those disciples. We have not a clear vision of what God wants to do in our lives. 
And we struggle to understand the plan that God has for us. Even if we believe him, even if we put our trust in him, sometimes we need a special touch from God so we can understand it clearly. And I pray this morning, my brothers and sisters and friends, that we will receive a special touch from God so that we may see clearly. And this is the only time that Jesus healed someone in stages. Jesus had the authority to touch somebody and heal it instantly. Also, he commanded a miracle to happen, and this miracle happened in a distance. And Jesus said a word that the person was healed. But in this moment, Jesus is performing this miracle in stages. Very, very different. And then this blind man met Jesus because of his friend. I believe that he was not ready to go in the presence of God. But somebody invited him. His friends. And they said, Jesus is coming. Let's go. It can be one that can transform and change your life forever. And even if we understand it from the text that was a little bit reluctant, he went. And I pray as a church that also will be part of those friends that bring people to Jesus. With their doubts, their emotional need, their physical need, we have a person that can be the answer to those friends that we have. We have a person that can change the course of their life. And this person has a name, Jesus Christ. We don't bring people to church because this church is special or the building is exceptionally beautiful. No, as you can see, this is a wonderful building but has nothing special in it. What makes special this place is the presence of Jesus Christ. And when we come here, we come because we want to meet Jesus. We want to meet the Son of God. We want to meet the one that came on earth, left the glory of heaven, and came to die for our sins and for our transgressions to give us hope of eternal life. That's the plan. That's the church. That's the body of Christ that we come together. So let's learn some, uh, some lesson from this miracle. First of all, we see that Jesus' healing requires separation. Jesus' healing, Jesus' work in our lives requires a separation. Jesus personally takes the hand of this man, and it's so beautiful seeing the compassion that Jesus has towards this man. He takes him by the hand, and he will bring him in a solitary place. We are not told explicitly if some of the people that were in the city went with Jesus, or even if some disciples went with him. But here is important to see that Jesus wants to have a personal encounter with this blind man. And he removed him from the city. Now, if we don't understand the city of Bethsaida, we'll have our time to understand why Jesus did that. But you know, Bethsaida in the scriptures is well known as a place of unbelief. As a place of discouragement. As a place where there was opposition towards the things of God. If we go in the scriptures, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, verse 21, Jesus is sending some very hard words towards that city. We read in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, 21, then Jesus began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done. 
Notice, most of these mighty works has been done in those cities. Because they did not repent. In verse 21, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Notice, Bethsaida was one of those cities. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So Jesus removed this man from a place of unbelief so he can minister to him in a personal way. And I'm glad that you know that Jesus knows where we are right now in our journey. He knows if we are surrounded by people that can discourage us, that can be an obstacle to the growth of our faith and to the work of Jesus Christ. It's so important that we understand this point. Sometimes it's necessary for Jesus to remove us from people in place of unbelief so he can do the work in our lives. And we have to trust him. As Jesus compassionately took the hand of the blind man and he brought him outside so he can be detached from that influence. Let let us trust God in the same way. Let us allow him to take us by the hand and bring us in a place of solitary communion where we can understand his grace in his life. You see, Jesus built up the faith of the blind man so he could receive the miracle. Jesus was not interested merely to show his power to this man. He was interested to build up his faith. He was interested to heal first the emotional wound that he had. He knew that the man lacked confidence and faith to receive the miracle. And God knows this morning how we came in this place. He knows if we came with full confidence, with faith, oh, you We came here lacking faith, lacking confidence in what God can do, but also lacking confidence in ourselves. Jesus led him out of the town. And some of the greatest moment, a growth in our spiritual walk happened just like that. When we have an intimate encounter with Jesus. Let me tell you something. You can have a, a lot of people around you. And being feel lonely. But also you can have somebody that makes you feel special. And this person is Jesus Christ. He's everywhere. Doesn't matter where you are. You can find him in every place. (laughs) Because his presence is filling the whole universe. This is what the Bible says. I heard stories that are amazing. I remember a brother once sharing his testimony. I was uh, conducting a train, and while I was driving the train, I felt the need to call upon the name of God. And that moment, I gave my life to Christ, and I felt heaven coming down. You know, there are amazing stories of brothers that were accepting Jesus Christ in places where no one could think God can change lives. God is at work. And he desires desperately to heal our lives. Here is an important lesson for us. When Jesus grips our soul, we must give him the trust to work in us. We must be receptive to his work. We must open our hearts so he can do his work in our lives and build up faith in our hearts and heal the wound. 
The Bible says that God heals the brokenhearted. And a heart that is contrite is a heart that God loves and cares for. The blind man lived with the feeling to be the victim of an unfair destiny. From the text we understand that he was not born as a blind. Because when Jesus touched him for the first time, he said, I see men, but are walking trees. It means that he was able to make the distinction between men and trees. So it means that he became blind. So something happened in his life that brought him to live what was a, a wonderful life, maybe for him, with his family, being able to see the people that he loves, and now is blind. And let's be honest, it's harder to understand this truth that we are sick and somebody around us, it feels very good. Sometimes we receive healing from God, other times not. Sometimes we are praying for a situation to change and we see God responding to other people, but not to us. It's unfair. We feel that it's unfair. And let me tell you something. As much as this can be unfair, God is God and he knows the best for our lives. And he has the right to do whatever he wants because he's God. One thing we know that even if we are going through these difficult times, he made a promise to us that he will never, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. In all of this, God will walk with us. In all the journey, even the journey of sufferings, God will be with us. He will be our companion. He will be the one to give us the strength. And maybe the situation in us will not change. We will still facing that hard time. We will still facing that sickness. We will still facing that separation. Maybe with our husband or our wife or with our children. But God's presence will be in us. And it will give us the strength. So there are emotional wounds that sometimes sickness brings in our lives. Because the heart it can be very hardened by that. But Jesus is willing to work on us. To release the pain. So Jesus needs to have a moment where he can minister to us in a unique way. And then Jesus' healing overcomes emotional pain. Again, Bethsaida was a place of doubt and discouragement. I mentioned to you before, according to the tradition of those times, when a person was uh, sick, they thought they were cursed by God. And if this man became blind, maybe some people in Bethsaida thought that this man was under the judgment of God. Now, can you imagine you feel the pain of being blind and then you have this shame on you from the people that should support you and instead they don't support you. And you live with this label of being cursed by God because of your sickness. And you cannot talk with these people, explain that you didn't do anything wrong, that this happened to you. You cannot explain that you are no more able to see the people that you love and care, maybe your children. And you take this inside of you. And years are passing by. And the pain is deeper, 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 deeper in your soul. Can you imagine how this makes miserable the life of this man? Jesus saw all of this. And that's why he put him aside. Jesus discerned such a spiritual pain that was in this man. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters and friends, this morning. 
you may be surrounded by people that put labels on your life. But there is somebody that is willing to remove the label and to give you something new. To give you something new that will change definitively the course of your life. Jesus noticed the pain. Jesus noticed the difficulty that this man had inside himself that made him becoming hard, difficult to deal, lack confidence, esteem. And Jesus is working him. Today and this morning as I was preparing this message, I find such comfort to know that Jesus knows my heart more than I do. He knows my heart more than I do. He knows my pain. He knows the labels. He knows the things that are attached to my being. And he's still working me with grace and compassion. This morning, know that God is working with you with grace and compassion. He wants work in your life. He loves you. And today, the elements of the bread and wine are, are talking to us about his constant love towards us. It's not something in theory. It's something that Jesus did for us. We are celebrating today the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, and we are proclaiming that it's coming again. So there is something factual that we can understand. You see, Jesus' caring love reassured this blind man that his blindness wasn't enough to stop Jesus to work in his life. He felt maybe alienated from the other people, what a relief it was for him to know that somebody was willing to invest time in him. Despite his blindness, despite his condition, something was able to touch him. <laughs> and it's interesting here, Jesus did in a way that is very un- strange for us. Can you imagine if somebody comes to receive prayer this morning and I start to spit in his face and then uh, I go take some... Dust and make mud and put it in his face. And he say, be healed. It would be very uncommon for us today, right? I believe that a person would feel insulted by that. But in those times, there was this belief that in the saliva, there was some medical property that will bring healing. This is what the theologian William Berkeley said. Suggests that this was done as an accommodation of the people's belief that there is something therapeutic in the saliva. So Jesus finds a common point, a ground where the blind man could feel reassured. As much as strange for us, the fact that Jesus used the method reassured the blind man that he was not doing something to harm him. God sometimes he can do strange things to reach us. I don't know, but he can use the most uncommon ways, uncommon ways to reach us. I have a friend, a pastor. He was saved because a message was put inside the bottle and throw it in a river. And then the river brought the bottle in the ocean. He was a, an officer in the army and was part of his duty to patrol a part of the shore. And he saw this bottle. And he was going through a very difficult moment in his life. Where he even considered to take his life. And he saw this bottle on the surface of the water. And he went and took that bottle. And he noticed there was a little paper inside. And a brother had written some words. I don't know who you are. 
But I have a message for you. Jesus loves you. And he cares for you from eternity to eternity. That message changes life forever. Can you imagine? A bottle put in the city of Turin. And the river Po. It went down in the Adriatic Sea. Almost 700 kilometers. To reach this desperate man. That was looking to take his life. God has uncommon ways to work. And you know why? Because he's God. And he knows how to reach the heart of every person. And if you today are here, know that God knows your heart. We don't understand what you are going through, but he knows. He knows. And he's willing to help you. Jesus helped this blind man to step across the line from unbelief and belief. And today you are here because God wants you to touch your life in a very particular way that you can experience grace. Jesus did an operation and then he asked this question. Do you see something? And the man answered, I see men like trees walking. Literally means that his man was seeing very blurry. Now, if you have a man that never saw something and then... He starts to see something, even blurly. He is full of excitement. Oh, I start to see something. Not long ago, I read about this woman that was transplanted with a bionic eye. And even if the image was not really clear at all, at all, for the first time, she saw shadows. And this brought such a joy, such incredible joy in her heart. Because of that. Now this man has been blind. And now he starts to see something. It could be enough. Right? Jesus is building up his faith. What do you see? And what I like here. Is the sincerity of the heart. Of this person. He could have said. No. It's okay. I see something. Maybe he didn't want to be. Again labeled. As a somebody that was not grateful. But he says the truth. I see men like trees walking. And Jesus appreciated that sincerity of the heart. I'm telling you. You don't need to hide yourself with beautiful stories. To touch the heart of Jesus. You have to be sincere. Share with him what you see. Share with him what is the condition of your heart. He knows. He can walk. He can talk. He can transform your life. That's the Jesus that we serve. Many will struggle with blurry vision for a long time because they don't admit they have a sight that is not good enough to see clearly. But at the moment that we confess, at the moment that we acknowledge that we don't see clearly. God can do something special. And this brings me to the last point. Jesus healing is a process. And not a quick fix. And when I talk about healing. I'm not referring just to physical healing. I'm talking about. The healing of the soul. Of the spirit. The cleansing of our sins. The cleansing of our emotional wounds. The hope for eternal life and understanding that God will be with us. Not only on this journey on earth, but also for eternity.
Jesus laid hands again on this man's eyes and made him look up. For the first time, this man must move his face from looking down to looking up. It's no wonderful. This scripture is so beautiful because through simple words describes the process of the growth of the faith of this man. Jesus is encouraging us today not to walk looking down, but looking up. <laughs> and this time Jesus didn't ask what you see. No, he commands that the sight is restored completely. Praise the Lord. I'm grateful that Jesus is moving us from looking down, discouraged, oppressed, to have a, a desire to look up and receiving his miracle touch in our lives. Jesus does in an amazing way. This man was sincere and because of that allowed Jesus to work in him. He was not happy He's seeing this man just seeing blurly. But he wants to do a miracle complete. And let me tell you something. That when God is working and starting a, something in your life, he will bring it to accomplishment. Amen. He doesn't stop at the beginning. He will bring you through all process. Just trust him enough to know that he who starts a good work in us we will bring it to accomplishment until the end. And this morning, how do you see yourself? Seeing man as a tree is never enough. Jesus wants to bless us in a full way, in a full capacity. Jesus took care of this man. And the way that he took care of this man is an assurance for us that he can take care of us even today. And he can bring us through. It's interesting that this miracle close with the advice that Jesus is giving. is more than advice, actually. It's a command. Don't go back in the town. Don't share what happened to you. And it's strange. I can imagine this man. Can imagine contain the joy of a man that was blind all his life. And he cannot share again. But you know, Jesus say something that is also meaningful to us, symbolically. Don't go back to place of unbelief. Don't go back to a place where they can discourage you. Now you received something from me. Now you know that I care for you. Stay where you are. Stay away from people that can put you down your faith. Stay away from people that can discourage you to follow Jesus. Stay away from people that will put entrances to you in your walk with God. And you know, it's not enough for receiving sight. We must continue to trust Jesus after what we receive. We must continue to follow Jesus fully and not paying attention to those who will be discouraging us from following Jesus. Jesus knew the heart of the people of Bethsaida. He knew that those people will try to do something to discourage him to follow Jesus. And most probably they will say, oh, it was not him that he healed you. It was the saliva. It was the mad that he took. There are people that even if you receive something, miracles from God, they will say, oh, was that medication? Oh, was that talking that you had with a psychologist that's helping you? They will always have the tendency to remove Christ and faith from your life. Stay away from those people. Stay away from those who will discourage you to grow spiritual. 
But get connected with the family of God. Get connected with people that can encourage you to grow and to strengthen your faith. Get together with people that can pray for you, that can encourage you to follow Jesus through the scriptures, teaching you the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why in this family, we put a, a lot of emphasis on membership. Yes, because we believe that being together, connected together, united together, will allow us to grow in our faith and to be stable in our walk with God. If this man would have gone back towards the city of Bethsaida in places of discouragement, I don't know how long he will have kept his faith. Let me conclude this sermon with some final application. Jesus is always aware of the state of our faith. He knows you, he knows me, he knows us. He knows what needs to be done to cause our faith to grow. And this morning, I am challenging you with this question because I'm challenging first myself. Are you willing to be honest about your own condition before God? I don't know what is the level of your sight. And I'm referring to sight, to physical sight. I'm referring to spiritual sight. Are you willing to acknowledge your condition? Because if you are sincere with God, He will work in you. Trust Him. Maybe you need to be taken by the hand and moved in a solitary place to encounter Jesus. Allow His grace to touch your life in a wonderful way. Then Jesus will not stretch our faith more than we can handle. He will allow you to absorb His work in your life gradually. There are people that can be transformed right away. There are people that can walk faster with God. Other people that need more time. And as a church, as mature believers, we need to give room to people that are slower than us maybe to grow. Let's be careful not to judge people because maybe it's 20 years that we see them and we don't see a lot of change in their lives. Each one of us has a walk. We should encourage them with our prayers, with our support, telling what God can do. But each one of us has a journey. And Jesus will never give us more than what we can take. Some people started just to come attend a service like this. Some people, they started to they walk with God in a home where they're invited to for a Bible study. Some people, they started to work with God in a workplace where a believer is there. And before taking this meal, is giving thanks to the Lord. And some people, they say, what are you doing? I'm praying. And this initiated a conversation. We don't know how God is working. But one thing we know, that God is still at work in those who know him. Hallelujah. And then, Jesus' final goal isn't to perform just a miracle, but to open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see him more clearly. You may receive a miracle. You may receive something special. But remember, let's not put an emphasis on the miracle itself, but to know him more and more. That's our goal. And whatever God will do in our lives as that final ultimate purpose, that we may know him more and more. And a person like the Apostle Paul closed this wonderful epistle to the Philippians in this way to say that it is God 
was to know Jesus and the power of sufferings. He was forgetting all the experience that he had before. And he was looking ahead to know Jesus more and more. My brothers and sisters, what is our goal this morning? Soon we are celebrating the communion. We are approaching the communion table. I want to just take a few moments in the presence of God. Just between you and God. Take a few moments to be alone. You and God. In the intimate encounter with God. You can be sincere. You can share your heart. You can share your wounds. You can share your joy. And allow Jesus to increase his work in your life. And the ultimate purpose is to save your soul. Can we take some moments? I know that can be embarrassing for some people being silent. But these are moments that are precious. I want to encourage you. Whatever you are. Whatever you are. Take a few moments. Solitary moments between you and God. Allow the Holy Spirit to hear your voice. To penetrate your heart, your soul, your spirit. Can we do that together? was even a rope that was tied to him because if it was not in the right condition it could die inside the holy of holies so people could not go inside and they were pulling him out dead from the holy of holies he was supposed to stand in the presence of God because his work was never ended every year he was supposed to do it again and imagine if According to some scholars, there are 146 regulations that the priest was supposed to have and to fulfill in his appearance before God. From the fact, physical, from the way that was dressed, the garment that he had on top and underneath, there was a lot of meticulous rules to approach the holy God. But again, his job was never ended. So he couldn't see it in the presence of God. But here we have the difference. Jesus is seated at the right hand. You know why? Because he finished. His work is done. Now he can be glorified. And I love this powerful verse that we have in Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's the amazing truth. There is no another name about Jesus. The name of Jesus is above all the names. In Revelations 19.16 it said, On his robe and on his tight he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. My friend, if you are not receiving Jesus Christ now, one day you will bow down before him. Either that you like or not, you will bow down. You will be forced to confess that Jesus Christ is king and is Lord of lords. That's why we need to be appreciative of the grace of God. 
and the last affirmation that the author is saying here that is superior to the angels. Now, let me say something here. In this epistle, in these few chapters, 13 times the term or the adjective superior is mentioned. Now, for us, we have a certain idea. Yeah, angels. Why the Bible mentioned the fact that it's superior to the angels? In that context where the people were reading the, the letter, they thought the angels were superior to the priests because they were mediator between God and man. So some of them, they were worshiping angels. They had such a high respect for angels. But the author here says that Jesus is superior to the angels. That was the context of the time that the writer wrote this epistle. Don't you think it's today the same in the new age philosophy? Where they say about angels speaking to them. Angels, that they worship some praise to the angels. We don't have angels to pray. The only person to receive prayers is Jesus Christ. He will send angels to us. But we are not called to worship angels. Angels are not superior to Christ. They are ministering for him towards us. Don't you know that you will receive a reward as the angels cannot have? Angels cannot have the reward that one day we will see and receive. They don't have the joy of redemption that you and I have experienced. They cannot sing the song of the redemption because they never experienced that. So you and I are more blessed than angels. Can you imagine how much superior is the Son of God? And it was clear Jesus is superior to the angels for the name that we received. That's why at the end we will see that the author claims that the son is superior in all things. It brings in these four verses of this chapter the majestic superiority and supremacy of Jesus Christ. And let me conclude with some final application for you and I. What we must do. First of all, we must give attention to what God says. Because God is still speaking. Don't take with superficiality what the message of the Bible is. God speaking to us through His Son. I love what uh, B.F. Westcott, one of the major scholars of the New Testament says, even almost two centuries ago, the revelation in Christ is perfect both in substance and in form. The revelation of God is perfect both in substance and in form. Again, John Calvin comments on this passage. It was not a part of the word that Christ brought, but the last closing word that he mentioned to us. That's why the Bible says to have an ear to hear what the Spirit says. And then we must recognize that we are rebellious by default. By default, you and I are rebellious to God. By default, we tend to resist the Spirit of God. I pray today that you and I 
being aware that by default we resist the Spirit of God, we say, Lord, by default we are like this. But today I want to surrender to you. I give up, Lord. I give up. Be my God. Look what Hebrews 3, 12, 15 says. Take care, brothers. That's are not my words, but the word of God. Take care, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Unbelieving heart. Leading you to fall away from the living God. The unbelieving heart will lead you to fall away from the living God. That's why my prayer for you and I is, Lord, change my heart. Where there is unbelief, bring faith. But then, it's not just to pay attention, but exhort one another every day. As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will deceive you. Will bring far from God. For we have to come to share in Christ if indeed we hold original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, not tomorrow, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. And my quest to you, do not harden your heart. Do not be deceived by sin. God has a better plan for you. God has a a better way for you to prosper. And that's why the solution is, we must draw near to the throne of grace. There is no condemnation. Condemnation brings shame and guilt. Conviction brings redemption. And hope in Jesus Christ.